ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for What Do You Call It Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What Do You Call It Podcast. I'm your host, GB, and today's guest is Pro Wrestling's original reality TV star, the OG of MTV. He's appeared in HWA, ECW, and WWF. Please give it up for Rapid Delivery, Rory Fox. How you doing today, mate? You all right? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to hear someone else besides myself say the OG of MTV. Damn right, mate. You are. That's that's how I know you from. That's right. And I thought I rewatched it, so I'm gonna have to kickstart the show basically, and I'm gonna talk about the reality show, MTV True Life. I'm a pro wrestler. It's a documentary that came over 20 years ago, and it was during yeah. the hottest period in wrestling. So I rewatched Absolutely. it, and I loved it still. And I was like, I've got to reach out to Rapid Delivery Roy Fox. Reason being is because you were featured on it. So I want to yeah. talk to you, have a little chit chat. And basically, I want you to explain to the listeners who may not be familiar with this. I'm going to put it all in the description so they will watch it. I want you to explain to them what was it like for you, uh, the exposure that you received, how did you get featured, and how long did you train with Les Thatcher? Uh, first of all, I'd like to ask, how did you watch it? Was it on YouTube, or do you it have was, your own copy? Um, it was on YouTube when I watched it, uh, I think it was last week, but I watched it as a kid on TV. Yeah. Was it, was it one of them, uh, was it a watch-along no, no, I just, I just randomly watched it. Uh, it oh, just came great. On, I think yeah. it's like wrestling documentaries. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen this for like 20 yeah. years. So I had to put it yeah. on. <laughs> Be- because for so many years, WWE would take it down from YouTube mm. because Triple H and The Rock are on it and Billy Gunn. And uh, I actually have my own copy. I need to start selling it at the shows. I'm going to burn, <laughs> burn some copies. Definitely, but, man. Uh, <laughs> the, the, only ver- the only version out there is this horrible watch along where the sky is talking all the time and it's, mm. it's terrible, but, but it was, I, it I the have best quality. It. No. Unfortunately. Yeah. But I, I still enjoyed it though. And obviously that's where you were featured and you were actually given the rapid delivery gimmick. Uh, the rapid delivery gimmick, which I think is great. I just want yeah. you to, I want to ask you basically <laughs> first, how did you I'm get glad featured? You did along basically other than you had loads of talent that were trained at the same time what was it that attracted the directors basically you to be featured in it oh sure um before uh certain circumstances i was just another one of the 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 trainees there that they interviewed what they thought of pro wrestling and how the training was Mm -hmm. uh it was originally supposed to be featured on this uh young man from chicago and it was supposed to go through his uh training steps and then eventually have a match. I believe he was going to be in a battle royal, but I don't think they trusted him enough to be in a singles match or a tag match. So they followed him from Chicago because he has this outrageous personality. They're like, God, he'll be great. Mm -hmm. And Les Thatcher was the one to pick up the phone call from MTV, like, absolutely, come into our training center. Because this is 1998 when they started filming, and Killer Kowalski and maybe some other schools are like, no, we don't want any damn cameras in our school. You know, Les is all about it. Yes, I want publicity. <laughs> and that, anyway, that's his laugh. Some people out there know it, know that uh, Les impersonation there. But uh, Les is like, sure, come on in. And 
they had this kid here at the school and we're putting him through the training steps and he lasted, uh, sorry, I got cats running around here. They like to bother me when I'm doing interviews. That's cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, he, he did a couple days of training. It was supposed to be like three or four weeks of good, hard training, four days a week. Get out of here. <laughs> and it just didn't pan out. He came to Cincinnati to party instead of wrestling. And he was going to the wrestling. I mean, he was going out to the bars and saying, yeah, I'm a pro wrestler and this, this, and this. And just like Les Thatcher said on the show, you're not a pro wrestler until I say you're a pro wrestler. <laughs> and, uh, one day he didn't anymore. We went knocking on his door. It's like, I had to, I had to babysit him a little bit. I had to go uh, get him at five o'clock for six o'clock training and he'd still be sleeping. Uh, cause, cause like you, like you saw on the, the documentary, it's like, Hey, I'm from Chicago. Every day of my life is a party. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. well buddy, you want to be a pro wrestler. You better be training you better be going to the gym everything take it seriously and he still wanted a party <laughs> in fact one day he comes to me you know i'm i'm from iowa population 100 you know and i've never even left iowa before ohio and he cons me into hey uh i need you to take me to my bank i'm like okay where is it right down the road here fifth third like yeah no no i have to go to the downtown fifth third bank <laughs> like Really? But that's all the way downtown, 20 minutes from here. No, no, I have to go to that one. It's like, okay, I don't know any better. You know, I'm 22 years old. Yeah. I take him downtown and I drop him off. Like, okay, I'll park you going to the bank. All right, I'll be right back. I get to just get some money out. And, And 30 minutes go by. This guy is nowhere to be found. It's starting to get dark outside. Uh, so I go walking up by the bank. They closed at five o'clock. We didn't get there till five thirty. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I this was back before uh, I had a cell phone. I had to get on the payphone, and uh, the guy you know from the show, yeah. GQ Masters. Anyway, he's in. He works in the office as well. And I was like, GQ, I don't know what to do. His name was Matt. Matt is nowhere to be found. I'm here in downtown Cincinnati. This doesn't look like the best neighborhood. What should I do? It's getting dark out. And, and, and GQ goes, you better get in your car, brother, and come back. I'm like, what about that? I'm like, hey, brother. Hey, brother, you better get out of that neighborhood. So off I went back to training. This guy was gone for like, okay, Matt Taglia. There it is. Finally, I finally remembered. Matt Taglia is gone for a week, and he finally resurfaced. So I guess he was downtown in a crack house, nice. like totally over my head. And finally, this is a long story. <laughs> finally, uh, MTV decided, well, I think we're going to go another direction. And they went around and interviewed the different wrestlers, trainees. Every I wasn't a wrestler yet, trainee. But my story was, I'm Steve Moss from Watkins, Iowa. I uh, worked at a man refrigeration for two and a half years to save money to go to pro wrestling school population 100 in Watkins, Iowa. They like my story. And next thing you know, we're off and running We're they've decided uh, to switch the MTV thing over to the uh, kid from Watkins, Iowa. And I got this incredible opportunity. 
That's crazy because I, I yeah. didn't realise it was sort of on the fly. I thought like they planned yeah. to have you involved as opposed to Matt. Yeah. I do remember Matt being basically a fuck up, but a spoiled kid. Like, yeah. He was like yeah. always Absolutely. moaning. And like, but as you said, like telling people who's a wrestler and there's yeah. like, no, you're a wrestler. When I tell you you're a wrestler. Uh, do you know what happened to him, by the way? Because I know he got vested many years ago, but have you ever seen him since by the chance? I, I have not seen him since, but I did a show out in Indiana for Black Label Pro. And one of the fans... Uh, had an eight by ten mugshot of Matt Taglia, so I took a picture with the with the mugshot. Yeah, I've and seen this. Pro- I might have to put this in the description as well. Yeah, you should put that up there. <laughs> but what was what was really creepy was about a week later, I got messaged. I think it might have been my Twitter, my email. I'm not sure, but he's like, "Why are you taking a picture with my dad?" Like, oh shit. <gasps> Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, this is so awkward. But I was like, I just told him, look, kid, one of the fans brought this picture to the show. I wasn't purposely trying to make fun of your dad. I just took yeah. a picture with him. And I thought this kid was gonna be really angry with me because this is his dad. Like, oh, you're making fun of my dad. But yeah. he ends up he ends up telling me it's like it's okay. I understand. Uh he hasn't been in my life very much. My grandmother had to raise me. Which makes sense because if you saw the documentary, she's like, Matthew, time yeah. to get out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> and and this kid was just kind of bummed out. It's like, yeah, my dad hasn't been much in my life, pretty much a disappointment. And I, you know, I tied tried to put a good spin on it. I was like, hey, mm. kid, that's your dad's life. He chose to go down that route. That does not have to be your destination. So learn from it, move on, and, and you know, and be the best you can be. That does not have to be your life. And uh, we, I left it at that, and I didn't talk to him again. But man, that was awkward. That is awkward, but just unexpected. But oh. that's, I'm so glad you told that yeah. story, man. Like, I think that's, it just yeah. gives the listeners even more reasons to watch this. This, um, this is a, this is a, this is the first place I've told that story too. I'm so glad yeah. you told it, man. Like, just because I'm, yeah. I'm genuinely enjoying it, and like, I just remember Matt just being the fuck up. Remember you, uh, Tony Atlas. And obviously, yeah. Triple H and China at the time, but obviously that's not aged very well. But we won't talk about that. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to ask because he's very known as well. Liz Thatcher is widely respected as basically being one of the best coaches, uh, you know, modern wrestling history even in the past. I just want to ask, what was he like as a coach to you, and how did you personally feel once it all wrapped up? Um, did you want to sort of step away from the the, the mail bag you had, like the Roy delivery, or did you embrace it a bit more? Les Thatcher was a tremendous trainer. I mean, he gave me such a solid foundation that I could go anywhere in the world and, and get through my match. I can call, call a match in the ring. I don't have to remember a whole match in the back. If things go wrong in the ring, I could take over and call the rest of the match till we got to our, uh, whatever the finish was supposed to be. So I cannot put over enough the solid foundation training I got from Les Thatcher. Now, gimmicks? Not so much. Um, I, I did not want to be rapid delivery Rory Fox. If you could, if you could tell from the video, yeah. but uh, like I said, like I said on the show, I have six months in the business. I am not about to argue with someone with 40 years in the business on television and be deemed an asshole right off the bat and get blackballed in certain places. Like, look at this punk. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take liberties with this kid and beat him up in the ring, showing, you know, teach him some respect. So yeah. I was like, if this is what they want me to do, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And now that I look back at it, though, 
if I would have embraced it just a little bit more, maybe it could have been a little bit better. Like maybe even rode a bicycle to the ring, like GQ Masters said I needed to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like I wanted to be rapid fire, Rory Fox. You know, I saw an old Brandon mm. Lee movie and it was said rapid fire. I was like, yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. RF rapid fire. And 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 I, w- I do want to say, because it's always bugged me uh, when, when you watch the documentary, Les is like, Rory Faith, Rob Fury. It's like, no, I didn't make those names up. It's like I had a list of first names with an R and last names with an F. And he like read them across like those are all my names. It's like, no, I just want a name with an R and a, and a last name with an F. And oh, I remember that way he can't go through it. Yeah. 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 He came up with Rory Fox, which I'm very thankful for. I wouldn't, mm. I wouldn't have came up with that. So obviously, cool uh, to be fair. But I like it's, it. Yeah, I think it worked out. Yeah, rapid delivery, Rory Fox. And like he said, you know, you wear your paper bag to the ring, you take it off, and the performance <laughs> speaks for itself. I'm like, yeah, okay, let me let me get through your goofy gimmick and then let me get in the ring and show what I can do. And I was like, yeah, I think I can do that. And And one other funny thing about it was when we filmed that segment, this wasn't rehearsed. This was just okay, MTV's going to turn the camera on and myself and Les Thatcher, Thatcher are going to interact and uh, what you see is what you get. That was one take. There wasn't in the, this rehearsed and that's what you got. And mm-hmm. the funny part was is uh, later in the evening, I called Les up and I'm like, I really feel uncomfortable. I, I don't think Rory Fox sounds right. I mean, think about it. Rory Fox. It's like, it just doesn't sound right. He's like, what you little son of a bitch we've already filmed this we've we've already filmed this that's your gimmick there's no changing it damn it yeah. all right uh, and fans are still talking about it to this day you know yeah. so there is like done something right let's say that and there are things that have reminded fans of the documentary and the gimmick yeah which i will be talking about later on as we talk uh, one thing i want to talk and- about Oh, sorry. Let you speak. Mm-hmm. Let you speak. Oh, uh, to the other part of your question was about you know how long did it last for getting rid of the gimmick? Well, maybe uh, a year, a year mm. and a half into the gimmick, maybe two years, they turned me heel because I'm just. I know it. You. It's hard to believe, but I'm a natural heel. I I enjoy. Can Can we swear on here or no? You can swear all day long, mate. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I enjoy fucking with people. I enjoy fucking with the fans. That's more, I like to annoy the fans. And that's more natural to me than like, yay, I love everybody. I don't love everybody. I hate everybody. So <laughs> they, they slowly, uh, they turned me heel. They had me be with Chip Fairway, who was a, a, a golfer. So mm-hmm. I thought Shark Boy was ribbing me. It's like, okay, you're going to come out with a pink golf bag and be his caddy but eventually you know i would beat him up and turn anyway but uh maybe two years into the gimmick i'm like dude i can't do this paperboy gimmick anymore i got an idea let me be the original mtv superstar rory fox so i went out i found a satin jacket from the 80s with the mtv logo on the back i took the sleeves off i got a visor I found a jackass visor. Jackass was popular 20 years ago. I had my tearaways. I had my trunks with the star in the ass with the look with Rory Fox on it. Like I'm a star. 
I started coming out to Dire Straits. I want my MTV. <laughs> I had a, I had a sweet little persona there. The original MTV superstar Rory Fox, and inadvertently, the crowd would see. It says jackass on my visor. So now they would start calling me jackass, jackass. <laughs> and, and I would get so bad. It's like, no, 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 no. I am not a jackass. I'm supporting MTV programming. And I had a great, yeah, it, it worked out. It was money. And I had a great program with Shark Boy. Uh, he went to WCW and then he came back and we had a nice little program. And I was the cruiserweight champion during that time. It, it worked out so well. And uh, eventually, we, you know, I moved on from that, but mm. uh, full, we, we came full circle. We brought Tony Atlas out for a Halloween show. So now it was like Rory Fox, nice kid from Iowa, Tony Atlas around here. But now success has gone to Rory Fox's head. He's this incredible asshole. Now, original MTV superstar Rory Fox has taken on Mr. USA, Tony Atlas. And we had a match on a Halloween show. God, that's awesome. The, the two yeah. stars. Of, yes. Um, I'm a pro wrestler. That's awesome. And we, and we still only had 200 people there. <laughs> oh man, if that's on YouTube, I need to find, I need to find that. Yeah. I need to think yeah. of that. Yeah, uh, it, I, I actually have a VHS copy of it. Maybe one of these days I need to convert it and put it on YouTube. But 100%, uh, please. Tony Alice put me up for the big press slam, just like he press slammed Hulk Hogan. He press slammed me for the one, two, three. I like Tony Atlas, man. He's just, he seemed not just in the documentary, but he just seems like a cool guy. I mean, other than his massive foot fetish, but you know, who am I to touch? Oh. <laughs> and, and, uh, I, I'd like to tell you, uh, when I talked to Tony Atlas at night about what we were going to do in our match. And first of all, he made me so nervous because I was a greenhorn and I want to know what we're doing on our match. And, you mm. know, hour goes by, he still doesn't really talk to me. And it's the old school veteran thing. Like, you know, 20 minutes before the match, he finally talked to me about what we're going to do in the match. You know, I'm the nervous kid. Like, God, what are we going to do in this match? What are we going to do in this match? And that's just the way it used to be back in the day was, is you went over your finish and that's about it. Call it in the mm -hmm. ring. And, and, but uh, he, he talked with me. He goes, you know, Rory, I saw you on MTV. And, uh, and when Les told me you're going to be rapid delivery, the newspaper boy. And then I saw your face. Oh my God. I just fell off the couch laughing. He's like, I know Les Thatcher and his, his crazy ideas and gimmicks. <laughs> I remember that. That's not a bad impression of him either. <laughs> oh, here's my favorite Tony. And I wanted to do a clip with him, but I, he never, he didn't remember me here five years ago when I was on a show with him. But anyway, I wanted to do a, a, a video with Tony and go, hey, Tony, all right, let's go. Anybody got a cell phone? Like, anyway, remember how he said anybody got a cell phone? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a famous that's a famous line from the MTV thing too, where he goes, "Anybody got a cell phone? I got to call Joey Gamal." <laughs> it's quite, it's like it just like this. People still talk about it. Like it's on Reddit to this day. Like what you could do is put it. Yeah. In. If you need to put like um, I can't remember Matt's last name, but if you put him and you put the dark Matt Taglia, he yeah. literally comes up. People still curious to basically see who he is. But we've had a great discussion about him. Um, but it's so, but it's so, but it's so difficult to watch it on YouTube. It's like. Every freaking possible mm. MTV True Life is on YouTube, but not True Life. I want to be a pro wrestler. I don't know if that's because WWE takes it off every two weeks or what, but it's like, come on, give they the whole so universe tricks. a good, give the whole universe a good copy of it, or I'm going to burn copies and sell them. Damn it! I think you yeah. should. You can get a deal. There's a whole. Spots. There's a whole. Yeah, it's a it's a great show that people can enjoy to this day.
it's fucking fantastic. I I genuinely yeah. love it. Like it's just I, I've, I've, as soon as I watched it, I just genuinely I quickly reached out to you, and that's how I got you on here. It's like, yeah. yes. <laughs> but you know, and the other the other amazing thing is like uh, WWE people from uh, you know ten to fifteen years ago have like told me it's like they're like fans of mine. And they said like Rory. I watched you on the MTV documentary and it's like, man, that made me want to go to training school. You know, it's pretty cool. Like you see guys like CM Punk, like I, I quit the business from 2010 to 2014 because of what we t- we're going to talk about later here, Matt Cardona with mm-hmm. losing my trunks. And I'm, a, I'm just at a house show, minding my own business with my buddy and CM Punk's the heavyweight champion. And he's going around ringside after he just defended the title, high five and fans. And my buddy, I'm just trying to hide, you know. And my buddy goes, hey, Punk, Rapid Delivery Rory Fox is here. Matt, uh, CM Punk stopped and goes, what? Rapid Delivery's right here. So CM Punk stopped what he's doing, walked over right back to me, shook my hand, gave me a hug, and said, Rory, how you doing, buddy? It's so good to see you. You know, it's like cool that's, little moments that's like that, awesome. you know. That's cool. It's that like, it's, it's great to know that, you know, true life did make an impact on some people. That's wicked, man. I didn't know that at all about CM Punk being a fan of this show. Um, not this show. Yeah. Um, Machine, the MTV you show. know, Machine Gun Carl Anderson loved the MTV thing. That's why he came out to Cincinnati to train. Wait, wait. So because of that documentary, the MTV one, that's pretty yeah. much what influenced That's Carl why I came Anderson. to Cincinnati. Jeez. Yeah. That's that's why the Blade, who's on uh, AEW now, he was known as Pepper Parks in HWA. He came to Cincinnati because of True Life, and his tag partner Chet the Jet, who was in OVW doc in developmental, he came to Cincinnati as well because of the documentary. You know, that's awesome, man. I didn't know. I mean, I've done my research stuff, but and and Gallows and Gallows, you know, Gallows was always nice to me too because he saw the MTV thing. You know, oh, I can imagine Gallows being a fan of it. Like he's. Yeah, he's so that, that 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 was one of the reasons I got into the talking, the whole talk and shop one and two, you know, series. So can I ask about that? Talk now, and shop and mania. Um, actually, you actually been both. You've been part of both the uh, talk and shop and mania, yeah. uh, the shows. Yeah. It, it looks like extreme, like a, a batshit crazy show. But I want to know what did actually Doc Gallows uh, talk? What well, basically tell you when he first approached to you about the shows? Uh, talk and shop and mania. That all came about because. Uh, Gallows and Anderson were were on their talking shop podcast, and Anderson just goes, "Man, Rory Fox is like God. Give me a give me an MTV documentary, and I could have been a star, whatever." And and I just messaged him and I said, "Chad, I, I'll explain to you exactly why I did the MTV thing and didn't become a big star and make it in the business." And next thing you know, he's messaging me back, and I was a guest on their their talking shop podcast the day of the show it happened to be on a thursday and i was already out doing some afternoon happy hour with my uh, sister and her boyfriend mm-hmm. and the podcast wasn't till 8 p.m and i had started drinking at 5 p.m you know <laughs> and, and and you know here i am i'm at the time 44 years old it's like what do i have to lose who do i have to be nice about i can say whatever i want so you know, three hours of drinking, I did their podcast and whatever, whoever I didn't like, I said it or whatever I thought sucks, I said it and mm-hmm. they loved it. It's like I became an instant star of their talking shop podcast. So because of Carl, because I've known him for 20 years, you know, I knew him in Cincinnati. 
he got me booked on Talking Shop of Mania, and I made the most of that opportunity, and that led to a Talking Shop of Mania too. But because of my Talking Shop podcast appearance, that led to all these other opportunities during this whole COVID time where there was there weren't any shows. And there was a certain broski that you still have a lot of heat with. But before oh, I talk I about the broski and your rivalry yeah. with him, I do have to ask because you did appear on WWE TV numerous times over the years after the documentary, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. including matches with guys like Haku. Uh, Meng, some, I think most fans know Haku, and the late, great Umaga. I just want to know, what was it like working with them? Umaga, and then Heidenreich, uh, uh, and Stevie Richards, and then eventually, uh, yeah, Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona. Who was, uh, who was some of your favorites to work with uh, during those times? It's, it's still, it goes back to my first appearance. It goes back to Haku. He, he was the best. This guy, I have so much respect for Haku. I saw him in 1986 in Cedar Rapids, Iowa at the Five Seasons Center mm-hmm. uh, house show for the WWF, 86. So, yeah, I was, I was 11 years old, and I got to see him as King Tonga wrestle a match that night. And who knew in 2001 that I'd be wrestling him in front of 20,000 people at the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota? You know, it's, that is it, it's incredible. When you think about yeah. it, take a step aside and yeah. realize Idea. Yeah, but what really, if you really think about it, how crazy is this? You're in this sold-out building in Sierra Rapids, Iowa in 1986, and this one little kid in the building that night, out of everyone in this crowd, is going to be having WWF matches in 2001, you know? The only person in that whole building. And It's crazy. It, really it is. is. It's absolutely crazy. Just to you know, know what I Yeah. And I was a little kid. I never even thought of being a pro wrestler then. I just loved watching wrestling. But in 2001, mm-hmm. I got to wrestle Haku. Tony Grio was the guy who assigned the matches at that time. And we're out at ringside. You know, during the day, the, the, the guys that are there as extra talent are doing little mini tryout matches in the ring or uh, new talent that's about to start. And they want to work on some things. You know, they'll go in there with the agents, Arn Anderson and, and other guys. Mm-hmm. And there I saw Tony Gria and I saw the little uh the little board. He, you know, he's gonna write the matches on there for the night. And I saw Tony, so I started doing Hindu squats like right next to him. So <laughs> he could see me. <laughs> I I wanted to make damn sure it's like as soon as Tony started looking for guys who's gonna wrestle on the show tonight, it's like I want to make sure I'm the first person he sees. And Tony looks over at me and he goes, Yeah, you don't mind getting beat up, do you, kid? No, sir. <laughs> so uh i got to wrestle uh, haku that night and the match right before me which is really crazy because it's like i'm a forrest gump of history i'm a, i happen to be at places that during the the craziest times the match before me was a dark match and it was two local minnesota guys against brock lesnar and shelton benjamin with the governor, Jesse the Body Ventura, as their manager that night in a dark night. Yeah. Did you, did you Crazy. know, when you saw them, by the way, like, did you know, well, okay, they're, so, they're going to be main event talent? Or no. was it just... No. It, I, at that time, I had never seen anything like Brock Lesnar. He was like the six-foot-five Incredible Hulk. I mean, he was just... If you painted him green, he would be the Incredible Hulk. That's how he looked in person. He was that massive. Would you say that the TV doesn't do him any justice then sometimes? 
Like, no, no. He's a, he's a beast, though. But no, I, th- I do remember your match. It was, uh, was it Metal? It was Chats, wasn't it? Or metal, sorry. What? It was on Metal. Yeah, Jack. It? Yes, yes. Thank God for... I was I was there early enough to be blessed with syndicated television. This was called Jacked or Metal, based on where you lived. It's mm. a syndicated show. We had like eight minutes. So uh, back then, the local talent would actually get some offense in on a WWE superstar. I, I know how crazy that sounds now. If you see an extra talent on Raw right now, they lose in 20 seconds. But back... Uh, excuse me back then not only did they say your name they said where you're from what you weigh so it's like hey you could actually use that as a a tool on the end he's like hey i was just on wf metal last week against haku you know Mm -hmm. like nowadays you're lucky if they'll even put your name on the screen and i wrestled haku we put this match oh i didn't even tell you about that uh when we're putting the match together in the back Eddie Guerrero comes walking in and he's just kind of pulling his luggage along and he just looks really out of it. Like, yeah. And he went off in his room, Haku saying, okay, brother, we do the backdrop here. And here comes Eddie and he goes, and I do the chop and, and then we go do the chop. So this is, this is uh Eddie was when he had a substance abuse problems and yeah. he was fired. He was fired like the next day it was on the internet. You know, Eddie Guerrero has been released from the company. So I saw Eddie come in in bad shape. It, it, it was so crazy as Haku was going over the match with me for the night. Wow. That's how it's and, happened just at the, like this one show. Like it's Brock Lesnar, yeah. the last night for Eddie Guerrero until he returned in 2002. And then you yeah. going over your match with a WWF legend, Haku, who you saw wrestle. Well, 15 years and, ago, like it's yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and in and, and in this match with Haku, you know, it's on syndicated television, and Michael Hayes and Kevin Kelly are like putting me over on commentary. They said, We gotta, we have a brand new show coming soon. MTV's tough enough. Who could be the next Rory Fox in the making? I'm like, damn. <laughs> Love it. They're never they're never gonna put over any local guys like that ever again, and they're saying. Who could be the next Rory Fox in the making? Tough enough is coming up, and that ended up being Maven. So you know, but were, back to were you the, ever lined yeah. up for, Oh, sorry, I just mean to cut you off just very quickly. But, you, but back, you but back. What, what, we'll talk to, about Maven in a second here. But uh, yeah, yeah, of course. But but back to the match. It's like Haku. You know, we had a little give and take reversals. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had talked to him. Was like, okay, can I give you a flying shoulder tackle, and then I'll go to the drop kick. It, it, Haku, God bless him. You know, he was so much bigger than me and his he had that gigantic throw. I climbed up that top rope and he took a missile drop kick from me. I got to cover him and the crowd popped briefly, you know, like, oh my God, it could be an upset. And God bless Haku. He took that bump for me. And I'll I'll never forget it because the match was somewhat competitive and it would never be nowadays. And just and I've ran into Haku a couple different times over the years. And I've just thanked him every time. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, uh, uh, one show in Kansas city, I got to see him again and I sat down with him and he, we, we actually got to sit down together and, and watch the match on YouTube. Good job. And That's he, awesome. he, and he watched it with me and he said, Oh my God, you look so young. You're just the baby. Like, yeah. Thanks. You look good now, brother. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but anyway, we watched the match together and he said, 
you know what? That was a good match, kid. You did a good job. And I was like, damn it. That is, that is such a good feeling. All these years later to watch, watch a match with the guy I had a match with, you know, incredible. That's awesome, um, but you, yeah, it's absolutely awesome. I'll never forget it. And I get to see him again, I think in October, he's on a show I'm on. So it's just him and the barbarian. I run into these guys and now they give me big hugs and barbarians like, Oh, Rory, how you doing, brother? I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? I saw a barbarian in 1988, right when they left the NWA WCW after mm. dropping the weights on the Road Warriors face on Animal. And the barbarian's telling me, oh, it's so good. Nice to see you, Rory. How you doing, man? Like, you're actually it's, part it's... of their circle now, last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the barbarian knows me. Just insane. But, uh, but uh, we're, we're talking about Maven, though. Oh, yeah, sorry, mate. Sorry, I'm smiling away because I, I love Hakko, by the way. It's yeah, awesome. I had to get uh, that um, in, but yeah. Oh, that's cool, mate. No problem. Uh, so I was going to ask about, uh, I think you just mentioned it briefly, so I just wanted to follow mm-hmm. up on it and ask, were you ever offered to go on to Tough Enough just because of your MTV background and you'd been in the business for about, what, two years at the time? Yeah, like three years, yeah. Um, was there any plans for you or were you too experienced? That was, no. Yeah, that was the thing. Um I didn't know that people with experience could apply. I thought it was people that have never been in the wrestling business. That was, uh, that was the story of it early on. It was people that had no experience. So I didn't, I didn't bother applying because it was supposed to be anyone that had no experience in wrestling yet at the time. But uh, I don't know though. I don't think I was off the charts enough to like impress Kevin Dunn. You know, he liked Mm -hmm. guys six foot five and everything else. Uh, So yeah, I, I never applied to Tough Enough, but as they got into like season two or three, it's like all these indie guys are end up getting on the show and doing well because they had experience in wrestling. Uh, one guy got in trouble because he wiped his feet off before he got in the ring. And, you know, Al Snow and Taz picked up on that. Like, hey, why'd you wipe your feet off? You know, because if, if, you've, if you've never been in the wrestling business, you would never know to wipe your feet off before you get in the ring. It's just, it's a respect thing. Mm. And it's really funny because we just mentioned as well, but Doc Gallows actually tried out for it as well. Yeah, yeah. Is that where he's hitting the ropes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His head went under the rope. <laughs> we have to look up that after. That's great. Uh, yeah. Um, one thing. Yeah, hey, I... Gallows. Hey, Gallows, you <laughs> fucked up running the ropes, buddy. <laughs> he said it, not me. <laughs> I'm just the host. <laughs> I said it. I'll wrestle you anywhere, brother. <laughs> yeah, that Gallows. Yeah, that. Um, I've come to the point where I, I can't wait to speak about this. And yeah. you you mentioned it as well. You actually left wrestling for a few years after it. You know yeah. what I'm going to talk about. Uh, you would actually go and make another appearance for WWE. Uh, this time for the ECW brand, which would be under the WWE umbrella. And you'd wrestle yeah. against a young Zack Ryder, who a lot of wrestling fans will know as Matt Cardona. So I want to ask you, what went through your mind <laughs> the moment your trunk trips in your now infamous match with Zack Ryder on ECW. Oh, what a day. What a day. That is so funny. When we were going over that match in the back, it's like Zack Ryder was a Rory Fox mark. He grew up watching MDV's True Life and he said it on his he said it on his show. So it's not like I'm making this up. He's like, oh man, I'm wrestling Rory Fox. I'm so excited. Da, 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 da. And we're putting this match together. And like I talked earlier, local talent used to get way more offense. So we're putting this match together. 
I can't remember who the agent was because I was pretty much checked out at that point. And I'm allowed in this match on ECW TV, like a couple forearms, maybe a roll up. Okay, great. And we're putting this match together. And yeah, this is what they want. Da da da. Okay, cool. We're out there having the match. What was it? It was already, I was already getting irritated in the match because he was like slapping me in the face while I was out on the mat and kicking me in the head hard, which was either because he was inexperienced or just doing it because they tell you, you know, rough up the local guys, you know, make it look good. Yeah. And, you know, he lifted me up for a body slam. I slid behind him. I'm supposed to at least get a one count. He kicked out at a half a one count. And we got to the point in the match where, okay, you're going to hit me with some forearms, drive me back to a corner, and I'm going to pull on your trunks, and you're going to eat the second turnbuckle. It's, it's a standard thing. Tully Blanchard's been doing it for 30 years, you know. You pull the trunks, you eat the buckle. Well, because he's Zack Ryder, WWE superstar, ECW superstar, and I'm local talent, Rory Fargo, Yes, Rory Fargo, because I couldn't be Rory Fox because they had Alicia Fox, the valet who's been in the business one year. And Rory really? Fox. So that's why you was called Rory Fargo. Yes. And I've been in the business for 10 years, but it doesn't count because I'm on the independence. You can't be Rory Fox. You have to be Rory. I just threw out Fargo just because of the whatever, you know. I'm Rory Fargo. Yay. And we got the point in the match where, boom, I'm driving with the forearms. Boom. Cardona's barely moving back. We're still in the center of the ring. And we're supposed to be by a turnbuckle. So young Matthew goes to pull on my trunks. He totally takes a back bump pulling so hard on my trunks because we're so far away from the corner. My trunks rip. They go up. And I know, okay, everyone. Yes, Rory, why weren't you wearing underwear? Why weren't you wearing under trunks? Well, <laughs> all you fans out there and all you wrestlers who know everything, <clears throat> I wrestled for 10 years without wearing anything under my trunks, and my trunks never ripped ever. So that tells you Matt Cardona pulled way too hard on my trunks, and it tells you that Kelly Klein, the former ROH women's champion, made a shitty pair of trunks yeah she made the trunks for me by the way and and this is how carney rory fox is i said hey you know give me a good deal i'll i will wear your trunks on wwe television so i maybe she charged me 20 bucks to make them <laughs> because i'm giving her trunks exposure you certainly <laughs> did give exposure <laughs> yeah yeah more more exposure than i ever imagined if anyone, uh, there's no actual footage of it, but if you Google, you can see the pictures if you really want to yeah. see. Uh... So, and the other, the other part to that was as soon as my trunks ripped, I hit the buckle at Anderson and Gallows and everyone else. I, I guess they've, they played this at Christmas time at Christmas parties. Like everyone at WWE enjoys the video, you know, they all get a good laugh of it. Fine. I'm in the corner going, Oh my God. I guess the camera, the, the audio picked up on it. And, and Broski's still like kicking me and shit. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to cover my balls. And, <laughs> and he pulls me out by my feet into the middle of the ring. 
to do his little finisher he had then it was like uh you put the leg over the head and you spin them over and they take a back bump this is way before the uh the the broski leg drop he does and 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 I, what's always funny is brian myers always gives him shit about it on the podcast it's like yeah broski still had to hit his finisher when poor poor rory's trying to trying to cover his dick and balls you know and matt's like hey man it's it's my first match, second match on TV. I got to hit my finisher. <laughs> but yeah, it's like he, I'm trying to cover my balls and sell at the same time. And it's just, wow. And what was going through my mind at the time was it's like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to come back. They're not going to be able to use this footage. It's, they're going to, it just, they've just wasted precious TV time. But thankfully, when they tape the show, it's an hour before it actually goes on ECW. So it's not live. Mm. and i guess they were able to edit it and still use the footage so when you actually watch it you like you hear like all this like ah, 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 screaming you hear matt striker kind of going <coughs> on commentary but you don't see it so it's, yeah but yeah they managed to use it and what i didn't know was when i went to the back like vince mcmahon didn't say a word no one said anything and I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm never going to be able to come back again. And I guess Vince laughed his ass off at it. And I went to the, you know, I went walking to the back, you know, and Hurricane kind of looked at me and Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho. And I guess uh, like that night, Matt Hardy went on Twitter and said, yeah, Rory really, really made an ass of himself that night. And, <laughs> uh, and, and Hurricane, Hurricane went like, yeah, Rory really went balls out tonight in his match. <laughs> <laughs> I love the wrestling but, business. But and here's what's crazy about it is like Chris Jericho has been obsessed with it over the years. I made it into a second book. It's like that made such an impression on him. He had to describe that night in Rockville, Illinois, when Rory Fox wrestled Zack Ryder. And he talks about it in his second book. Like, you know, I give Rory all the credits in the world. That's like, I would have been so embarrassed. I would just, I just would have ran out of the ring and went to the back. You know, Rory was a professional. He finished his match and went to the back. And, and Randy Orton has also said in an interview, which is really cool. He goes, they asked him about some of the most embarrassing moments in wrestling. He goes, yeah, this kid, Rory Fox was out in the ring and his trunks ripped off and his balls and everything were showing out in the ring. And he was a true professional and he finished the match. It was like, shit, get get a compliment like that from randy orton that's pretty cool it didn't make me any more money but it was cool like i i just have to applaud you for like the fact that you finished the match and we can laugh about it now um i mean at the time i can imagine it being a bit different oh what well, uh, <laughs> one other thing that i just recently learned at talking shop of mania too i had no idea about um gallows and anderson became pretty good friends with triple h at the time or like they said like they thought they were Mm-hmm. and they brought it up i guess triple h goes man um was he said uh triple h said something about rory should have owned the moment and i i go i i talked to carl anderson i go what 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 did triple h mean what should i have done mm. and he's saying triple h said rory should have just walked around the ring dick and balls everything's showing out and like <laughs> he should have just owned the moment it's like well thanks for telling me now if, if if I would have known then what I know now, as soon as I went to the back, I would have went all calm, cool, collected. I, I would have went to Vince McMahon and said, hey, Vince, 
I got this gimmick. How about every match I have a wardrobe malfunction? And then maybe Vince would like, I like it. That's good shit. But you know, <laughs> I, I, I was just terrified at the time. I just like, you know, I didn't know. Could have had a yeah. match between like you and Naked Midian, just like anything pulls out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had to ask because you did actually leave wrestling after that time for a couple yeah. of years. Mm-hmm. Was it because of that specific? Four, four what, years. So for four years you left wrestling. Was it? Yeah. Based on that specific instant, or was it more yeah. to it? It really what had happened was I had lost my passion after that. I just felt so ashamed, and I didn't think I could go back to WWE again. And I'm just wrestling on some indie shows, and you know, there's a hundred people on the shows. And I'm tired of just not having any money. I was like, I'm tired of being a broke ass hoe. And it's like, why? Why am I still doing this? Yeah. So I took a, a convenience store management job, and I did that for four years. I just got out, and every now and then I would go back to Des Moines to where one of my good buddies lives, and we just sit there and watch wrestling every now and then at the live at the live indie shows. You know, I was going to I was going to live events too. By the way, it's like, you know, he may, he's very successful, so we would always sit front row at WWE house shows, and I just sit there. That was my thing. It's like I would go listen to live music. Or I had to attend WWE live events in the Midwest, you know, and we get so hammered. Then we go to the strip clubs afterwards. It was a good time. Nice. <laughs> uh, but, but, but here is one experience during my time. What's the Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon say on their show? Uh, when you're gone from the business for a while. God damn it. What, what was it? Oh, I got, I can't remember that. What was it? Uh, you, you're, you're, I was out of the business for four, four years. What do you call it? Uh, Damn it, I can't remember that word. Uh, but hiatus. anyway, no. I, yeah, there it is. It's a hiatus, pal. You're not retired. It's a, a hiatus. So we're in Omaha, Nebraska at a, at a SmackDown house show. And, and I know Mike Knox from when I was still doing my extra talent work in Texas because I lived in Texas for three years and I was getting booked all over the state. So that was great. I highly recommend if you're working in Texas, go live in Texas and do the indies because – you're going to get a lot of work as extra talent in Texas, mm. but we're in Omaha and Finley and Mike Knox are wrestling on the house. show, <laughs> And, and Mike Knox gets knocked to the floor and I'm sitting front row with two beers in my hands <laughs> and, and he gets thrown out to the floor and he's selling on the floor. Like, Oh, Hey Rory. That, that was also during the hiatus when CM Punk came over and gave me the big hug, which was so cool. And, and I, have, I have one other story from during my hiatus, pal. Oh, tell, tell <laughs> we're, me. We're, we're in Omaha, Nebraska again. It's just so funny. They had no idea I was there, but just out of everyone in the front row, this is where the action happened. Randy Orton and uh, God damn it. Who was the, not Stu, Stu Bennett's his real name. What was oh, his name? It, Wade Barrett, man, Wade Barrett, the uncrowned WWE champion, in my opinion. Wade Barrett and Randy Orton were having a match on SmackDown. <laughs> and Randy Orton has this thing where he always does that belly-to-back suplex on the on the railing. Mm-hmm. And, and out of everyone in the crowd, Randy Orton gives the belly-to-back on the apron or, or on the railing right in front of me, and, and Wade Barrett falls on me. And it's just like, oh, my God. And, and, and and then one other thing for my house show hiatus, it was in Des Moines. Uh, Sheamus is in a match, and he's walking around ringside. 
or or no, I'm sorry. There's a commercial break. There's like uh, Sheamus versus Randy Orton match, and they're fighting and all this stuff, and mm-hmm. something happens, and they're both down by the ringside steps, like hiding during commercial and that, and they start talking to each other, and and just for first, just for the hell of it, because I always remember this from GQ Masters at at HWA and MTV. He would always say kayfabe there stood and i saw sheamus and randy orton talking together and they're in the match together that night and i go hey sheamus kayfabe there stood <laughs> after the match was over he's going around ringside this is when he was a uh, a good guy and he's high-fiving and hugging the fans and i knew this was a receipt for being being like a smart mark fan when i said kayfabe there stood he comes over to me gives me a big old hug and holds on to me for like 10 seconds and he was all sweaty and nasty oh. and like uh, <laughs> all his sweat was all like over me and he goes kayfabe me brother it's like oh you <laughs> asshole that was a receipt i know it was even away from the best like the actual wrestling you were still involved and making a name for yourself still <laughs> yeah and 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 when i always sat front row at house shows during my hiatus just to have fun I was that super fan. I was giving that referee a hard time. Come on, ref. How did you miss that? He just punched him in the throat. <laughs> I was all that. It was so much fun. I love it, man. I love it. And you would make your return to wrestling. And I, before mm-hmm. I do talk about, uh, as we yeah. come to the end of the interview, before I do talk uh, about the last few years with Matt Cardona and Brian Myers, yeah. their show, uh, you actually yeah. wrestled uh, a very young John Moxley in Heartland Wrestling Association, and you got the win over one of the yeah. biggest stars in all of wrestling right now. What was John Moxley yeah. like to work with? Yeah, and this is this was back around uh, 2003, 2004 when I was the main mm. eventer at HWA, uh, their longest reigning HWA champion. And yeah, Moxley, this was Moxley's first year in the business. And right from the start, John Moxley was always a hard worker. You know, he didn't have very much money. He'd come to training. He would use the little gym that we had. And he always kept his mouth shut and had his ears open. Yeah. And there, there's no wonder why he came to be what he is today is because he was always such a hard worker. He just was, when I was there, he was not a jack of. I know later on he got into partying and kind of got out there. But from the beginning, that kid worked hard, busted his ass. And he was already kind of a gimmick, you know. He knew to already, like, you know, interact with the crowd so i'm i'm not surprised at all what he came to be to this day you know and and by the way john moxley it probably won't be on dynamite but hey dark or elevation i'll give you a rematch kid since i am one and oh versus john moxley yeah he got the streak alive i love it yeah need a rematch and, and one one thing one thing I did want to tell you uh, right at the end of my hiatus that four year hiatus mm-hmm. uh, this also this is another little story for people who you must always ask because the answer is no if you do not ask. Chris Jericho interviewed Zach Ryder on Talk Is Jericho, and they had such a good laugh at my expense and made fun of me about the whole trunks and what's with this kid? He didn't know to wear under trunks and this, this, and this, and da, da, da. And then yeah. Jericho made a, made a, made a remark. Oh, look, at, he even had that bald spot. And I'm like, well, look who's talking now, buddy. <laughs> and, and, yeah. The joke's on you now. But anyway, they, they buried me so hard in that promo in that, that whole interview. And 
it really upset me. It's like I pretty much destroyed one of Jericho's books because I was so angry. And one day I saw that Fozzie was going to be in Des Moines. It's like two hours from where I'm from, where I was wrestling. And I had just come back maybe a few, few months in. Yeah. And his band Fozzie was playing in Des Moines. And I just messaged him. I said, I messaged Fozzie, the band, not Jericho, because, you know, I can't, I wasn't one of his, he wasn't following me. But I messaged the band and I said, hey, Chris, I heard you recently talk with Zach Ryder on the podcast. May I tell my side of the story? If, you know, what's, what's the worst going to happen? He's not going to reply, you know? I got, hell yeah, Rory. When we get closer to the show in Des Moines, message me. So here I am. I'm being interviewed by one of my heroes, Chris Jericho, on his tour bus for Talk is Jericho to tell my side of the story about how the whole Zack Ryder situation went down and how unprofessional Matt Cardona was pulling my trunks. And I'm being interviewed by Chris Jericho. And by the way, I'm not sure if anyone, and I'll send you the photo. I don't know if anyone out there knows, I was second row at NWO sold out 97 in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And the night before, yeah, yeah. The night before they were already in town and me and my buddy, my best friend to this day, uh, we hung around the hotel lobby that night and I got a picture with Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero in 1997. And, And I got a picture in between Miss Elizabeth and Deborah McMichael. And it was like one of the best nights ever. <laughs> so here I am all these years later being interviewed by Chris Jericho on Talk is Jericho about the wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. So it, just, it just goes to show you, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. You might get a yes. That's great, man. Like, it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's like you've lived the fan, like the life as a fan, but then like yeah. lived the dream in a way. Like you've, it's mm-hmm. a lot of things have come full circle for you. It's and you've been able to talk about it on this podcast. It's been and, and now, and now here we are, twenty years later from MTV. I'm all over the major pod, the major major wrestling figure podcast. I did talk and shop of mania. This was all during COVID. They gave me opportunities. I knocked it out of the ballpark. Whoa, sorry. <laughs> One second there. That's all right. Oh, oh shit. We're backwards now, aren't we? No, no, no. Oh, fine. It's, it's okay. okay, there we go. Okay, sorry about that. I get excited sometimes, but here we are during COVID. I'm on the major wrestling figure podcast. I do two talking shop of manias. And now here we are. Matt Matt Cardona's retweeting stuff. I do on Twitter. He, he has 2 million followers. I have almost 2000 followers and they're still talking about it because this is just something that people care about. It's crazy. I care about it. It's probably, it's one of my favorite things in wrestling right now. Yeah, you and Matt Cardona. Uh, I've I've got to yeah. ask. It's one of the last questions uh, yeah. to wrap this up. Is we've seen the last few years, and we've just discussed it as well. But we've seen the last few yeah. years that Matt Cardona and Brian Myers uh, have been successful with their major pod live shows. How yeah. fun was it for you to be part of these shows? Because it does certainly look like a good time, and uh, you know, a lot lots of entertainment towards it. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I got a I got a Twitter message out of the blue from Matt Cardona saying, hey, we're going to be in Chicago. How far is that for you? I'm like, four hours? Oh, sorry, man. Maybe so. I was like, dude, I drive four hours for shows. That's nothing to me. So he's like, okay, man, come to this show. And this is one thing about Matt that he is very kind. This is when he was a WWE superstar. That night, they had me come out. 
and uh, come out with my trunks and da 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 and have us. This was his idea to have me give him the nut shot, hit yeah. him in the head with the major pot championship. John Cone, WB official, comes out and makes the one, two, three. And Matt's under contract to WWE, and he allowed the, the indie guy to get that pin because he felt so bad about what happened years ago. And then he was also a fan. And next thing you know, you know, we're still doing things today. And now that he's been released a year ago, that was like such a blessing for me because now we can do whatever we want. Mm. There's no, no creative restrictions on this. And every time he gives me an opportunity, I knock it out of the ballpark. And I've been a part of FWF Live, their, their pay-per-view show they did in New York. It's like I'm 45 years old and at the end of my career, and I'm being flown to New York, hotel, paydays, like talking shop too, all these great paydays in a hotel, all because they asked me on for a show and I performed and did a great job. And it's just, you just never know what opportunities are going to come and you just got to make the best of them. Certainly, man. I agree. Especially in the times, I mean, we know we, we're exiting the pandemic yeah. era, but during those uh -huh. dark times, uh, you were, it's nice to hear like a success story in a way, you know, something yeah. positive you know, yeah. and to reinvent yourself in a way. Yeah. It's like people remember this nice, rapid delivery Rory Fox kid now they know this angry bitter grizzled mm -hmm. veteran that feels he didn't get his just doing professional wrestling and he's going to get whatever money he can out of it now to make up for all that he didn't get what he thought he deserved and I'm part of like all these different major pod things now and I'm just hoping once everything opens up it's like I want to I want to take this feud on tour you know, I want to wrestle Matt Cardona in Chicago in a cage match. I want to go to California. We could have a tuxedo match. I want to go somewhere else, have a first blood match. It's like, let's do all the gimmick matches. I have think an inferno match in the UK so I can see it live. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, look at that. In, in 2021, you're my third interview from the UK. No, I, I'm the best. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's like this whole new audience of Rory Fox fans and they know me from the MTV thing, but then now they start to research what I've done on YouTube and other things in my career. And it's like, wow, he's a credible pro wrestler too. He's just not this jobber that had his trunks ripped off on national television. It's like, there's, there's a professional wrestler here and Matt Cardona and Brian Myers can keep making their jokes. Like I'm just this old guy loser. And it's like, sooner or later, we're going to get in the ring. And it's going to be in front of my fans or your fans. But either way, they are going to respect me when we finally wrestle. I absolutely respect you. I think you're a fucking legend. Uh, even to my mate, Stephen. Oh, thank to, you. Um, about you coming on the show. I was so excited and that you, you know, agreed to come on. And I've, it's yeah. been an absolute blast. I've genuinely cracked up. Uh, to the <laughs> point, I don't think anyone noticed it, but I actually spoke some water on me. Um, yeah. <laughs> your stories. Uh, to wrap this up, one last question, and I'm going to get you to show off some of your sweet, sweet merchandise that you're wearing that yeah. just arrived today. So the last question right. is, what's your favorite match of your career? Favorite match of my career? Boring. I know it's a boring mm. question, but I might get a good answer from it. I, I don't know. I might have two. I, the honorary one is just because it was my, my big break and opportunity. That match with Haku on metal. But uh, 
I would say it's on YouTube as well. It's my match with uh, Tony Storm. He's called the Storm now. He's a he's a local wrestler in Florida, but he's also uh, he used to be known as Tony Storm, but he's originally from Iowa, but he's making a name for himself in Florida. Probably our steel cage match. It was actually after our feud culminated to this cage match after a year. That would be one. And then the other one that I'm still hoping to get footage of someday is my match versus Frankie Kazarian in San Antonio, Texas, in front of 600 rowdy fans around uh, 2008. I'm all jacked up. I'm tan. I'm in my glory. Everyone in the building's booing me like I'm fucking Rowdy Roddy Piper, 1985. That would probably be my favorite match ever in Texas. And But yeah, the cage match with Tony Storm, the Storm, and Frankie Kazarian in Texas would probably be my two favorites because the crowds were just unbelievable. Wicked, man. And an honorable mention, he said, to the match against Haku on Metal. Haku, yes. Awesome. Yes. If you can show very quickly then the new top that you're wearing that's now available on Pro Wrestling Tees, if you can show the Yeah, it just, it just came today how, how the, like on the Major Pods show, uh, Major Pods show, they say, figure fate. Here's my figure fate today. Boom! The new Rory Fox t-shirt. Wait, love the text. And the bet. The, the the best part of it is it's TTD. He's from the UK. He does a lot of the artwork for Matt Cardone in the major podcast. And uh, this shirt is the exact lettering that his always ready Matt Cardona shirt has. So it's another way for me to troll Matt Cardona. Fuck you, Matt Cardona. <laughs> so yeah, prowrestlingtees.com slash Rory Fox 11. I also have two sweet t-shirts on collar and elbow now the collar and elbow shirts are great because if you're one of those fans like man i love wrestling but i don't want people making fun of me that i like wrestling go to collar and elbow those uh t-shirts are amazing they look like uh can't think of a this other brand that's really great with uh authentic shirts and history oh like the mike tyson ones design yes the mike yes that's exactly where i stole it from i know exactly what you're talking about though but i can't remember the specific brand yeah yeah anyway that that is the theme of those t-shirts so it's like you can wear them anywhere and you can be a wrestling fan and people don't know the difference and and look at it look at this is also great um look at this fwf live i was a special guest referee in the show in the match between matt cardona and vsk uh i i was i was the uh, referee named john and i took my mask off it's like fuck you matt cardona and i screwed him for the (laughs) And look at this. I'm I'm a part of this. This is VHS DVD. And that's quality. Who knew in 2021 Rory Fox would have a pin on card? You know, how how crazy is that? That's straight, man. That is cool. Is it the same guy for the t-shirt as well? You can tell that's Rory, right? Yeah, that's teaching artwork. (laughs) Yeah. He's quality. I love I love his artwork. There you go. Look at this. I, I mean, I got trading cards. It's, it's just amazing. It's just, it's like Jerry Lynn told me years ago, uh, a lot of guys never get their break in the business because they quit too soon. So, Hey, maybe Rory Fox is getting his break at 45, but I'm here. I'm wrestling everywhere. I'm back on the roads this weekend. And I just love professional wrestling. Thank you for coming on, man. Yeah. It's been an absolute blast. Where Thank can you. fans find you on social media, by the way? I forgot to plug uh, your I'm, social media. I'm so, gl- I'm so glad you asked. Rory Fox underscore 
and Rory Fox 11 on Instagram. I'm sorry, Rory Fox underscore is Twitter. Rory Fox 11 is Instagram. I'm also, I also have a Facebook wrestling page, Rory Fox. Please go see that. But yeah, Rory Fox, uh, prowrestlingtees.com slash Rory Fox 11 and collar and elbow. Buy my merch. Help me out. You heard the man. Help out. Rapid delivery, Rory Fox. For everyone that's listening to this cracking episode, thank you. There's going to be more episodes coming out this week, including an episode with Myron Reed and Jules Malone. But for now, I hope you all stay blessed. And for anyone in the UK, hope you sleep tonight because it's fucking hot. Take care and yeah. spike your hair. <laughs> that's awesome. right.